You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Luke 17, this is a story of Jesus as he's moving throughout the area. It says here, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village and he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. These are men and women that have an extremely contagious bacteria infection that would eat away at their nerves and would cause their skin to be full of lesion and, 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 and sores and pus. It was dis- you could, in some places you could smell them from far off. He sees them. They stood at a distance and they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now that, that's, there's a lot to unpack there. We're going to unpack that. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's unpack this. There is this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven word sentence that Jesus speaks to these lepers that is profound. First word is go, say go. There's something prophetic in his go. He's telling them to go. Did you know that prophecy without action is just a bunch of rhetoric? It's just words. When God speaks something prophetically, there is action that you partner with his words. He said, go. Then he said, and show. There's a power in demonstration. We talked about that two weeks ago when people shared their testimonies. Showing the goodness of God. Telling the goodness of God. Then it says, show what? Yourselves. It was personal. For every one of those 10, it was personal. Everyone had to go and show themselves. And then this says, to the priest. Now, this is where it gets dicey because in the book of Leviticus, this is light reading if you want to read Leviticus later on today, Leviticus 13 and 14, it's a detailed report of what you would do to find out if you had leprosy and to find out what you had to do now that you had leprosy. And guess who was the one who diagnosed all of this? It wasn't a doctor or physician. It was the priest. So you would come before the priest, they would look at your skin, they would observe you, they'd find out if that's sore, they would do this whole process. You can read through it in Leviticus 13, 14. And as they did, if they found you had leprosy, you were ostracized, you were cast out of the city into a leper camp. Now, this is where it got crazy because all of these people had to leave their families. They had to leave their jobs. They had to leave everything they knew and had to go outside the city and bring residents now. And when they saw Jesus as a group, they heard of this rabbi, this priest, that something miraculous happens when he comes through. And so even though they were not allowed to touch him because no priest could touch unclean things, they cried out from a distance in hope that he would hear them and that maybe something would happen to change their lifestyle. They were desperate. They were desperate. And Jesus does something that I don't really understand because for Jesus, what he should have done was just lay hands on them, they'd be healed. 
But he says something to him. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. He didn't heal them on the spot, but he partnered with them. And he said, as you are obedient, you will be healed. It says, as they went. Now, let me, let me, let me share with you a little bit about what they had to do. Leprosy was a bacteria infection, an infection that can lead to damage of the nerves. Respiratory tract, your skin and your eyes. This nerve damage may result in a lack of ability to feel pain, which can lead to the loss of parts of a person's extremities from repeated injuries or infections through unnoticed wounds. So if you had leprosy, you may not feel your foot, but you may hurt your foot somehow, maybe even break your ankle, not even know it. You'd be walking on it for days, realizing my ankle's broken and it got worse and worse. You could put your hand on something hot without even noticing it. All of a sudden, it smells like something's burning. Oh, it's my hand. And now your hand is burnt. So this would happen. So parts of their skin, parts of their feet, their arms, their legs, these would begin to become dysfunctional and actually fall off in some cases. So you gotta imagine, for them to walk into the city was dangerous. You can't just stroll up in the city with leprosy. So they took a chance. They took a risk on this man from Galilee who said, go and show yourselves to the priest. As they walked, as they went, scripture says they were healed. In their obedience, the prophetic word manifested their healing. Now, let's go to Numbers 13. That's on the other side of the Bible. And I want to show you an example of not going, but staying an act of disobedience. Numbers 13, verse 25. Moses is speaking to the people of Israel, talking about this promised land. And so he does something. God says to him, I want you to send 12 spies into the city, into the land, and, and spy it out. Check it out. And they go there for 40 days, verse 25. And they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. And it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. And everybody's like, oh, yes. I'm so done with manna. I'm so done with quail. This is a good news. Look at that fruit, milk and honey. I love milk and honey together. I don't know what you could do with milk and honey together, but they loved it. And then they say this, however, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites dwell in the lands of Negib and the Hittites and the Jezubites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. They scoped this thing out so well, they knew the, the tribes that were there, they knew where they lived, and they knew everything about them. But verse 30 says, but Caleb, he quieted the people before Moses. He says this, he says, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go, there it is again, up against these people, for they are stronger than we are. They brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we had gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim. Let me, let me, let me pause for a moment. The Nephilim were this distorted creation 
of man and, and d- demonic coming together. In fact, this was not like a seven-foot Joel Embiid Sixers, who, by the way, pray for them right now. He's sick right now. For those of you that don't follow sports, which seems like the whole church right now. I'm all, anyway, it wasn't like a f- basketball player. It was like a 26-foot person. They've dug up bones now. Could have been 30 feet tall. These are giants. And, and, and these were distorted creatures living in the land. And so when they came back, 10 of the 12 spies said, we can't take the land. There are, there are giants in the land. We can't do it. Now, that reminded me of a picture I saw this week. I saw this on social media. I thought this was a good example of how many of us look at life today. It's distorted. Just do it. Nothing is possible, but it's all about perspective. Some of you just think about that for a moment. Okay. Numbers 13. The Lord spoke to Moses. This is interesting. Send me to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. I want you to understand, God gave them the land. God gave them the land. I got to stir up something in here. God gave them the land. There's a lot of tired people in this place, but God gave them the land. Listen to me. Hear me out today. I want, I want distractions to be gone. I want you to understand this, that they didn't just walk into land that they hoped to get. God said this in Numbers 13. He said, I'm sending spies into the land that I've given to you. It's already been given to them. If they knew and understood the power of God's word, go, they would have walked into the land and told all of those giants, you're living on borrowed time. You're squatters in my land it's time for you to go but what they did was they looked at the natural and they looked at the practical oh come on now they looked at the logical any i think we got a lot of logical people in 10 o'clock service today you know the the uh, you know i'm just practical pastor mark I, i just look at all the numbers i'm analytical listen let me say this to you numbers 14 this is god's response he says how long will these people despise me When we disobey God, he looks at it as us despising him. He says, how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I've done among them? God rescued his people from the Egyptians. They walked on dry land through the Red Sea. They did all of these miracle signs and wonders, and they get hung up on a couple tall dudes in a land that God had given them. Now, I know there's nobody in this church that has ever done that before. But I I find it so interesting that God didn't take it lightly. He said, how long are my people, how long will they despise me? When we are disobedient to God, it's as if we despise him. So there's this go versus stay. Let me say this to you. In the Bible, the word go, this is just stats. This isn't just what I want to tell you. This is the reality. It says the word go appears 1,542 times in the Bible. You know how many times the word stay is in there? 62. God is spending more time trying to get his people to go but we, we, we staying. We, we, we waiting. I don't think I have to be prophetic to say that there's probably every one of us in this room that are sitting on something that God has asked us to do that are still waiting on our 14th sign from the Lord. You may not have a fleece outside of your house that you flip over every day. 
But when we don't go when God sends us, we are despising his very word. That's a strong word, Pastor Mark. It is because I'm tired of watching the world do crazy things. Meanwhile, the church is safe. I still find it crazy that there's literally some churches and people today that still haven't come back from COVID. I don't know. Scripture talks about gathering to don't neglect the gathering of the saints. Yet we think it's logical for me to decide if I should go to church. Wow. I don't know where that came from. I'll leave that right there because that was a little too tough, Pastor Mark. See, many times our logic is really to mask our fear. We use logic because it sounds so much better than saying I'm scared. How do I know? Because the, the, the Israelites said it's logical. We're not going to take the land because there's, there's giants there. But that was really fear. But if I flip the script and go back to Luke, I see that these men who were desperate for a move of God had no logical understanding. They just said, let's go and show ourselves to the priests. Now, as they were going, that means it, they had to struggle to get there. Some of them couldn't walk. Maybe somebody had to help someone. Maybe somebody's foot wasn't working anymore. But as they went, they were healed. It was in their obedience that actually their transformation took place. It's when they went out of their comfort zone into the places of desperation that God ministered to them. It wasn't waiting on God for their healing. It was moving with God for their healing. See, there's a difference. For some of us in this room, we're still waiting on God to move, and he already said, go. It's in the process. Say that. It's in the process. Turn to somebody and say, it's in the process. It's in the process. It's obedience. And this is a word that we think is negotiable. I find it funny today that I just said that I have 10 kids. I never, when Leanne and I were dating, we never sat down and said, let's do something crazy. Let's just have 10 kids. Let's drive a big van and be weird. Like never, never, never. <laughs> if I could just share with you just a few moments of my life of just how it is trying to raise that many kids. But you know what it was? It was an act of obedience. And so obedience isn't easy. Let me say that to you. It's not, it's my wife having to birth forth 10 kids, going through all the process of a woman through her body, all of that. That's not easy. It's not easy to, to trust the Lord to provide for 10 kids. I remember when, when I was trusting the Lord about coming full-time into ministry, Jody was in here in the first service. She's one of our elders, and, and she was the one doing the finances at the time. And we, we were like, uh, we can't afford to, 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 go, to lose our job, so I worked full-time as we started this church. And I remember after we had our fourth kid, Peyton, God said to me, it's time to quit your job. I was like, God, this ain't the right time. Like, I need health insurance. I just had a kid. This is wrong. Maybe that ain't you. And I remember, though, the Lord was so strong. He's like, now's the time. And so I remember coming back from, from being that week off, from having a baby, because, you know, men, we got to heal up too. And, and, uh, <laughs> and I came back, and I told him, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm putting in my resignation because it's, it's time. Like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. I'm, a star I'm running a church. They're like, okay, good luck with that. You know, they thought I was crazy. And I remember driving home that last day, and I was crying. Why? Because I was scared to death. What did I do? I can't believe I just left my job. I have no health insurance. This is nuts. And the other part of me was crying with an excitement like, this is crazy. God has finally done it. I'm full time. We're going to change the world. And I'm telling you, that tension has ridden with me all throughout my life. We get land, it's sitting there for three years. Why? Because when God says go, he doesn't tell you how long it takes to get to the destination. But it's in the process. I wouldn't trade any one of those kids. Do you know, some of you know this, my wife was up here worshiping years ago, years ago she was pregnant. And the Lord said to her, you have a son. 
I don't know, a couple weeks later, she went and got an ultrasound. It was a girl. She said, what the heck is going on here? God, you messed this all up. God said, no, you have a son. It's not in your womb right now. So we had to learn to hear his voice. And do you know that every time she went and got an ultrasound and we found out it was a girl, we said, oh, dear Lord, that means there's another one coming. Oh, dear Lord. And literally, we would look at each other and go, I guess another one. And so people, people thought we were nuts. They still do. They're in the hospital. Baby's popping out. You going to have another one? Like, this one just finished baking. It just came out. I haven't even held it yet. You going to have another one? They don't understand this, that we're on a journey of obedience. And so when the Lord told her she, we were going to have a son and this one is a boy, it's like God has fulfilled something. Some of you are like right now, so are you done? You're getting ready to say that. All I can say is, is I'm done whenever the Lord says that we're done. And see, that sounds crazy. And take the kid thing and put whatever that is for your life in there. Whatever that is. Start that business. Everybody else says, you're nuts to do that. This is the wrong time. The economy, no, not now. You start it because God says it's time. I want you to be so radically obedient that the world looks at you and goes, I wish we were that crazy. I'm tired of watching the world do crazy things and the church is safe. Some of us, we expect the world to do more things for the church than the church to do for the world. You're looking for Elon Musk to come and rescue you. I don't know about you, but I feel free to speak whatever I want every Sunday. God, oh, I, I, I like this because I feel the tension here. God always counters logic for the sake of activating faith. If you are a logical person, God wants to raise up faith in you today that you will stop thinking with your mind and start thinking with your spirit. Come on now. And listen, let me say this. Should I stay or should I go? Sometimes stay is not the opposite of go. You know what the word is? It's the word when. When I get my finances in order, when I get more time, when my kids get out of the house, when I get older, when I get younger, which will never happen, by the way, when I'm fully healed, when, I'm, when there's no longer giants in the land, when can stop your go? When everything comes in order, I'll be obedient, God. God's like, mm-mm. When you are obedient, everything comes in order. I am so full of this word because I've watched God do things in my life. I wish I could tell you that I am so obedient when God says the first thing, like I'm like ready to go. There's sometimes I lag, but the lag time is less than it ever was before because I'm starting to realize that in my obedience, great things are freed up, opened up. It's just trusting the Lord. When is the faith killer? Let me ask you this. Was Jonah obedient? I've already done two services. I have not heard one person say yes. Well, eventually he was. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Now, why are you bringing this tough word? Because I want you guys to be such ready to go that when God says it, you don't think about it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Move that mountain. Let's do it. If you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, but you wait. <laughs> no. If you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you could speak to that mountain. Move. See, there is so much work to be done right now that God is looking for people that will just go. That's why it says go into all the earth. 
Go make disciples. It's action. There's action in the kingdom. There's not staying. 62 times. Many times we obey or repent after we get caught or come into trouble. Let me ask you this. This is another question I'll just leave out there for you. Is repentance truly repentance if you get caught? Or is real true repentance coming out and saying, I'm sorry, Lord. I know I'm wrong. I want to come before you clean. See, these are tough questions, but I ask myself this all the time because I want to be before the Lord. I want to be able to be a vessel that I can be used by him at any moment's notice. What if the Israelites obeyed from the beginning? How much wandering in the desert would they have avoided if they just would have said, we can take the land? But what happened was 10 people had, listen, some scholars believe there were a million people wandering in the desert. When we count the women and the children, a million people suffered the consequences of 10 bad reported people. Think about that for a moment. Now, if you wonder, does my staying or my disobedience affect more than just me? Absolutely. 10 people came back and said, we can't do it. Two people believed it. Those two people got to go into the promised land. The rest all died off. So our obedience is important. Now, back to the story in Luke. Jesus says something profound to, to this one person that comes back, this, this Samaritan. He says, rise and go your way. There it is again. Your faith has made you well. The word faith is the word pistis, which means full of faith. He was full of faith. So now we're seeing that the reason why these people were able to go is because they were filled with a radical faith. See, radical faith is always partnered with unquestioning obedience. You can't be obedient if you're not full of faith. And if you're not obedient, you probably have lack of faith. The reality is, is we need a dose of supernatural faith to believe that whatever he says, I will be obedient to do. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The word well is the word sozo. He was not only physically healed, but he was actually emotionally and spiritually healed as well. Every part of his being was healed. And it says that scripture says he ran back and he worshiped God at his feet. He worshiped Jesus. Why? Because he was so enamored with the fact that Jesus was able to see him on his journey. So that also says to me that in order we have to have radical faith, we have to be obedient, and we have to have a heart of gratitude, of worship, that God, no matter what you do, I thank you that it's not me that got me here, but it's all you. There's no way that me, me, Mark Rampula could ever raise 10 kids, but because of what Jesus did and what he does in my life, I'm able to be the dad and the husband that he needs me to be. See, that's why I can worship on this front row if not anyone else in this place worships, because I'm not dictated by what you're doing. I'm not dictated by the atmosphere. I'm dictated by my response to Christ. He has been so good to me that every time I went, he went with me. Every time he told me to go, he was faithful and obedient and faithful to his word. So with that alone, I worship you, God. See, I hope that you're that one person out of the 10 that comes back and cries out to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So back to my question, should I stay or should I go? Is there a stay in God's kingdom? Sure, there is. Sometimes there is. Now, let me say this, because whenever I preach a message like this, I get people on Monday morning quitting their job. It's true. 
It's true. People are like, I'm, I'm out. No, why? Because you don't like your job. That doesn't mean that God told you to go. I didn't tell you to do that. I just said, learn to hear his voice. I got people in this place, even right now, you're thinking about everything that you don't like to do. And you're going to put this message in pr- on top of it. So you can say, I'm going to release that friend because I hated her anyway. But now God told me I need to let her go. No, I didn't say that. Well, let my husband go. No, I didn't say that. What I said is be obedient to what he says. So that leads me to a word that I wanted to land this plane on, and it's this word called discernment. You have to learn to discern his voice and his will, or else you will say go to things that are not God's plan, and your life will be a mess. We have some crazy, charismatic, weird Christians trying to do name it and claim it, put God's charismatic on everything, and they're crazy running around without a master, without a, a purpose, without a plan, because they decided they're going to listen to every voice that sounds like God. But I'm telling you, the more that I get in his word, the more that I understand his nature, the more I can discern which is the voice of God and what is the voice of the enemy. Because let me tell you, the voice of the enemy can sound a lot like God if you don't know what he sounds like. And so you can hear a lot of things that tell you to go. And I've heard people leaving their spouse because God told them that is not God's plan for your life. Let me say that again. God will not contradict his word. So you have to learn his voice. You have to discern his will. If the lepers went to the priest without a word from Jesus, they would have been cast out. If the Israelites entered into the land without a promise, they would have been defeated. God's promise gives permission and ownership, and Jesus' word gives authority and healing. I want you to see that right there. That's the power of when Jesus speaks to you. He gives you authority. See, what the Israelites didn't realize, that land was already there. There was already a deed that said, this is for my people. All they had to do is pick it up and own it. When Jesus speaks a word, it's done. It's healed. See, he was making a demonstration for us today in 2022. Will you go on a word from God and watch him move in the process? So, practical statement. Don't make up a word of approval for something God gave a delay to. And don't fake permission and authority because you can't discern his plan. If you don't hear God's voice, then you stay where you're at. There's a pattern to God's word. And this is what I want you to write this down so you can learn to hear God's voice. Number one, you got to learn You got to learn it. You got to learn the word. We got too many Christians that don't know the word. We got to learn it. We got to believe it. That's the next step. You can't just learn the word. There's a lot of people that know the word. They quote it. They don't know it. You got to believe it. And then you got to what? Obey it. If I could raise up a church full of radical, obedient Christians, we'd change the world. I'm telling you. I've done the numbers. We have enough people in this church to change the world. say, well, Pastor Mark, you just said to stay. Well, even staying and waiting on the Lord, on, when he says to wait on the Lord, there's still movement. Because guess what? When I wait on the Lord, he's doing something inside of me. He's changing my heart. He's teaching me how to trust him. He's teaching me how to put away the anxiousness. Because how many know that even when you wait on the Lord, there's still movement. God's still doing something. So I want to pray this over you today. I want you to close your eyes right now because I feel like there's something in this room. There's tension right now. I can feel it. There's tension in this room. And some of that tension has to do with the preoccupied mind that you have right now. There's so many things vying for your time. 
We are the most distracted generation in the world. I mean, there is no other time in history where we have so much information at us at one time that we can get, that we think we discern, but we can't. Our minds can't discern it that quickly. The reality is, is we have to wait and we have to go. So should I stay and should I go? All comes down to, did Jesus tell you this? So today, I break off fear, the spirit of fear right now in this place. Fearful of the unknown, fearful of letting go, fearful of losing control. I break that even right now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would remove fear from every person in this place, that we would be full of faith and lacking fear. Lord, I pray even right now for those in this room that we may be in direct disobedience to your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would have a Jonah moment in the belly of that fish and say, no, no, if I get out of this, I'm going to where you sent me. I will not make this mistake again. I will be obedient to the word that you've given me. And I break distractions today, right now. I break distractions off your mind that are trying to rob you of hearing God's voice because some of us in this room right now, we can't hear God because we hear every other distraction. So right now, I break distractions. And the last thing, Lord, help us to, to be okay in the silence, to wait on you until you say go. There are things in this room right now today that God wants to birth forth. There's businesses. There's relationships. There's people in this room. I, I was talking to someone after the first service and he was telling me what God's getting ready to do in his life. It was radical. It was crazy. It was upsetting the apple cart, so to speak. But I realized that's what God does. He does things that seem crazy to us, but they're normal to Christians when they realize that God is in the midst of his move. When he says to go, he's with us. He walks with us. He walks with us. He walks with you. Don't think that you're alone right now. I just declare that over you. Some of you, you're sitting on a tough, a tough decision. God says, walk it out with you. So today, I pray for discernment. Just in the next moment, I, I, want, I want us to listen. Because maybe this is the only moment you'll have today where you'll have quiet force quiet. Oh man, this hurts, Pastor Mark. It's tough. Holy Spirit, even right now, would you just speak to us? in this room, I, I just felt like the Lord said there's people in this room that I've called to rise up for the government. There's a governmental calling on your life. I don't know who this is for. But we need you. We need you to rise up and be the voice for the Christians to stand up for truth. I don't know who that is for, but there may be a few people in this room today right now. God's raising you up to be a voice in this nation. There's people in this room today that God has given you a business idea and you're struggling. 
financially. God said, why aren't you being obedient? It's not the right time. God says, no, no, you trust me. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. May we be people of obedience. When you say go, we go. Would you stand to your feet today as we end? I want to invite our prayer ministry team forward here. And I want to call anyone here today that is struggling with hearing God's voice or needs clarity for some decisions that you're getting ready to make. I want you to come today and let us pray for you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that's the first step of obedience, saying yes to his blood, to his son, saying yes to his salvation. But man, I'm excited about what this church could do if we started saying yes to the plans of the Lord. So today, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the strength of God go with you. May the wisdom of God instruct you. May the hand of God protect you. May the word of God direct you. And may you be sealed in Christ this day and forevermore. And I'll add this last thing. May we be obedient to every word that you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the sun sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.